particular lesson would be that the righteous are persecuted. That's one of the consequences of sinfulness in the world is that the righteous become persecuted because of their righteousness. So uh, in Genesis chapter 4, we're going to read verses uh, 1 through 8. But I'm just going to read those as we go along today. So let's pray over the word as we begin and then we'll just go slowly through it. There's a few things I'd like to point out to you. Amen. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. We pray, God, that you'd help us as we open the word today. Lord, we look here into another lesson here in the beginning, Lord, that teaches us how, how man's ways are upon the earth and, and what we should expect. So, Lord, we, as we look into this today about the consequences of sin, that the righteous are persecuted is one of the consequences. Lord, we help, you, help us, Lord, today as we look into this word. Open our eyes and our minds and our hearts that we may receive this word you've given us today. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Now, in Genesis chapter 4, this is the, the, still the stories of the beginning. And I'd like to read the first three verses, and then we'll start getting into some of these others uh, a little more in depth. The Bible says in Genesis 4 and 1, it says, Now Adam knew, his, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, up until this point, everything seems pretty well, right? Uh, they had been banished from the Garden of Eden. We read about that last week. And, and we seen that they'd been put out here and it was going to have to work and labor and on and on and on and all those things. Well, now we see they're beginning to have children. And not only have they had children, these children have had time to be raised and are probably grown men by then. And uh, they're going about living their life and doing their thing. And it says in the process of time that both of them brought an offering unto the Lord. And that's where we want to talk about it today is how part of the consequences of sin is in verse 4. Let's take a look at it. Amen. Bible says in verse 4 that Abel brought also of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Amen. Now in verse 4 we, we understand that Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and the fat thereof. Because of this, uh, God declared Abel a righteous man. Now one of the things we see this in is Jesus alluded to this in Matthew and in Luke. He said he called that the, the blood that was shed when Abel was killed was the blood of righteous Abel. Amen. And Hebrews talks about what he did. He was a righteous man. He was declared righteous because he did what he was supposed to do. He, he brought the very best. He brought the first fruits of what he had, had raised. Amen. And see, that's the whole big difference in, in what a lot of people in Christianity don't understand today. God wants our very best. Amen. And whatever it is, whether it's our giving or our time or our labor or whatever it is, we need to give the Lord the very best we have. And, and really, if we look at it, we give him the first that we have. Amen. And that's what we need to do. We need to be people who are willing to go to, to do exactly what the Lord wants us to and give him our very best. You know, if we are a spouse and we, and we treat our spouse like we just give them the leftovers all the time, our spouse is not going to be too happy with us, are they? It's going to begin to be a drag on our relationship. So God demands the best. Amen. And that's what Abel did. And I want you to be aware that there was no law at this time that told them they had to give the first fruit. But the Bible talks about a law that's in the man, heart of man anyway. Before Moses had ever come, it was in the heart of man to serve God and to give him the very best and to give him the first fruits. Amen. That's why Abel was a righteous man. He didn't do it because he was forced to and he had to. He did it because he wanted to, because he loved the Lord. Amen. 
He was a righteous man. The Bible says this in Hebrews, and I'll read this to you briefly. It says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. You know it's going to always be remembered. We talked a few weeks ago about Herod, how God remembers Herod the Great, right? He remembers him as a baby killer. That's all he talks about him, amen? But the Bible says that Abel, even though he was slain, even though he was killed, praise God, he's going to always be remembered that he was a righteous man because he gave the first fruit of the ground, amen? First fruit of, of, of the, the, the lambs and the livestock that he had, amen? Praise God. So God wants our very best. Wants our first fruits, not our leftovers. There's a whole lot of people running around today saying that they're such wonderful, spirit-filled, born-again, blah, 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 on and on and on Christians, but they're only giving God their leftovers. That's not the way we're supposed to live. We want to be a person like Abel who gave the very best that he had and the very first thing that he could give, right? Amen. Give the Lord the very best that you have to offer. Amen. Praise God. Now in verse 5, look at it this. So he respected Abel and his offering. In verse 5 says, But he did not respect Cain and his offering. <clears throat> and Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. I want you to pay attention to that word he brought, an offering. Look what it says there in verse 5. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. I meant back in verse 3. I'm sorry, that's where it says this word. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. Now we go down to verse 5 and it says, God did not respect his offering. Why is that? Because he brought his leftovers. He didn't bring the first fruits. He didn't bring the very best. He took what he wanted for himself and said, I'll give some for this little bit uh, to God. And so God didn't respect him for that. I think there's a lot of people running around doing a lot of things in the name of Jesus today, doing them in the name of God, but God has no respect for them for it. You know, the Bible even says that Jesus said, not everybody that does all these great, wonderful works is going to enter in. They're doing it in His name, but they're not doing it in the right way and doing it for the right reason. Amen. Cain brought an offering. Not the first fruits of his harvest. Not the best, but an offering. Cain brought what was left over and he took what he wanted. Cain's heart was not right before the Lord and his actions proved it. God did not respect Cain's half-hearted offering. When we do something for the Lord, we should do it all in. Amen. We need to be 100% about it. Now, what you might be able to do for the Lord may not measure up in scope and size to what somebody else can do. But whatever the Lord gives you to do and whatever you offer unto the Lord, do it 100%. Do it to the very best of your ability. Amen. Take it serious and do what the Lord wants us to do. Amen. That's the kind of offering we can bring into the Lord that He respects. Praise God. And guess what? He's worthy of it. Amen. Yeah. We don't do it because we're forced to, because we have to, but because He's worthy. Praise God. Hallelujah. Cain, we learn in this verse, became angry to the point that his physical appearance changed. You ever been around somebody that got that mad? You can tell sometimes when people's a little frustrated, a little bit upset. But then you can tell when somebody has really gone almost off the deep end and they've gotten mad. Their whole demeanor changes. Their countenance changes. The look on their face, it looks like every bit of life has went out of them. They've gotten mad. 
The Bible says this is what happened to Cain. When God didn't respect his offering, he got mad to the point that his physical appearance changed. Why was he angry? Why was Cain so angry? He was jealous of Abel for doing the right thing. See, there's nothing like a person who has an evil heart trying to do something to get recognition and acceptance. When they see somebody doing it for the right reason and God accepts it, they get mad at that person instead of getting mad at themselves. I want you to think about that. Cain knew that he hadn't done what was right. And it convicted him and it bothered him to the point that instead of humbling himself and praying and saying, I was wrong to do this, what did he do? He got mad at the person who did the right thing. The one whom God had accepted his sacrifice. Those with evil hearts are convicted when people do what is right in the eyes of God. It illuminates the hidden agendas in their hearts and they become jealous and respond with malice and cruel intent. Think about that. That's what happens. We're seeing it play out politically right now. Our country has never been in better shape than it's in right now. Yet there is a whole group of people that wants to wipe out and change all of that right now. They cannot stand the fact that a little bit of righteousness has sparked back to life in our country. They cannot stand it. And so they attack the ones that are doing it. Amen. Verse 6 says this. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? You know that the Lord... We'll reason with us if we're willing to. You know, just because we make, uh, uh, make a mistake or get, do something wrong, and even sometimes maybe we get mad at people. Maybe we even get mad at the Lord. You know, the Lord is so gracious that he'll come and say, what's the problem here? He'll talk with us about it. He come to Cain and said, why are you so angry? Why has your countenance fallen? What is this anger inside of you? God asked Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? In other words, Cain, examine yourself and figure out why you're so angry. Examine yourself. Quit looking at everybody else and what everybody else is doing. Cain, why are you angry? See, there's a whole lot of this thing within Christianity that the Lord wants us to check our attitude. And he wants us to think sometimes, use our head to think why am I mad about this? Why am I angry? Why am I hurt by this? Why? And he gets us to look inside ourselves and see, where is this coming from? <clears throat> the source of Cain's anger was because he was convicted by his own half-hearted attempt to serve God. Anytime somebody gets called down, you remember being in school or maybe on the job, workplace or whatever, and you do something wrong that a lot of other people has been doing, but you get caught, what's the first thing you do? Well, what are you going to do about them? They, got, they did it too. We never do take responsibility for ourselves, do we? And that's what was going on with Cain. Instead of saying, you know, my brother done the right thing and was accepted by God, and here I am just half-heartedly giving something to the Lord, and he said, I'm not going to respect it. Instead of getting mad at the Lord, instead of getting mad at Abel, he should have looked at himself in the mirror and said, it's my own fault. I did the wrong thing. You know, when people do something for us as human beings, we want them to do the very best job they can, don't we? 
So we should also want to do the very best we can for the Lord. Amen. And that's the whole principle of this. Verse 7. <clears throat> Excuse me. And God is still reasoning with Cain here in verse 7. It says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. He's questioning Cain. He hasn't zapped him and sent him to hell right now, has he? He's not banished him from the earth. He's not done anything yet. He's saying, listen, listen, Cain, listen to me. If you do what's right, you'll be accepted, won't you? If you were to give me the 100% uh, best effort you had instead of the leftovers you had, if you were to give me your first fruits instead of the last fruits of the ground that you raised a crop and a harvest, if you'd done that, won't you be accepted? Cain had the power over his own actions is what the Lord's telling him. Cain, I've rejected what you're doing right now. But if you do right, I'll accept it. Kind of like you remember in school, the teacher, they told you how they wanted their, your paper to be done and they want your name here and a title and a date. And, and if you did all those things right, they would accept that paper and see what was on it and grade it. But if you had one of them things wrong, they'd say, no, do it again. Do it again. Do it again, right? This is what God is doing here. Cain, if you just do the right thing, I'll accept it. So he had the power over his own, own actions. We have the power over our own actions too. We can choose to do the right thing in the eyes of God or we can choose to blame other people. Right? When we don't do the right thing. We have the power of choice. You know, that's the most powerful choice. Most, one of the most powerful things in this world is the power of choice. We have the ability to choose to do what's right in the eyes of God or to not do what's right in the eyes of God. And as he had questioned Cain, we see from the very, very beginning with the first family upon the earth that God is saying, listen, do what's right and I will gladly accept it from you. But if you half-heartedly try to do something, I will not respect it. I want the Lord to respect me. Amen. I want to give him the very best that I could possibly give. Amen. I want his respect. Amen. I want him to look at us and, and me and you and say, that's what I'm talking about. That's giving 100%. Praise God. Amen. But if we do not do well, then sin, the sin in his heart would manifest in the natural. That's what it means when the Bible says there, said, but if you don't do well, sin lies at the door. And what is he telling Cain? Cain, just on the other side of that door, sin is waiting on you and its desire is to destroy you. And so he's basically telling mankind right there, the power to choose between good and evil is your own. If you choose to go the sinful way, you don't know what's really on the other side of that door. You don't know how dangerous it might be. You don't know how far it could take you and how it could really destroy you. He's saying, if you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do well, sin lies at the door. And it's waiting on you. God was giving him a warning saying, listen, son, you don't want to go there. Just repent and bring me what you're supposed to bring me and I'll accept you. It's the same for you and I. We don't want to play around with sin. 
We want to do the right thing. We don't know, like I said, what's on the other side of that closed door. Sin is laying right on the other side of that door. And if we make the wrong choice, guess what? We've just went right into there, into that. And we don't know how far it might take us. We don't know how low it could take us down. Amen. The Lord uses our conscience to help us know what to do. We said it before. If there's something in your mind, if there's something that has come up that's, that you're wanting to do or, or a decision you need to make, and if there's some nagging question in your mind as to whether it's right or wrong or whatever, guess what? That's probably the Lord saying, just let it be. Because if the Lord wants you to do something, He will not let it go. He'll put it in your heart and man, it'll just keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. But if there's some kind of doubt about it that you just don't feel comfortable, then guess what? That's what He's trying to tell you is that sin lying at the door. Don't go there. Don't do that. Amen? So He'll use our conscience. Now, sin's desire was to rule over and destroy Cain. But God said he should rule over it. Look how it's worded there. Verse 7. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. In other words, to destroy you. But you should rule over it. Like I said again, we have the power of choice. God gave that to human beings. Amen. Amen. Nobody can force you to sin against God. They can maybe beat you. They might take your life from you. But they cannot force you to sin against God. You have the choice to say, Nope, I'm not going to sin against my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Jesus said that we need to get rid of sin. Amen. He said that it was so serious... That if your right eye causes you to, to sin, to pluck it out and get rid of it. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off and not worry about it no more. That's how serious he said we should take sin. It should not be part of our life as Christians, right? Now, do we get things wrong and make mistakes? You better believe it. But to willfully commit sin and go against what God has said like Cain did here? No, we don't want to do that. That could take us down a long, lonesome road. Amen. The Bible teaches us to abstain from all appearance of evil and give no place to the devil. That's the same thing that God was telling Cain from the very beginning. If you do well, you'll be accepted. But if you don't do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. The Bible says the devil walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Right? Don't give him the time of day. Don't give him an inch. He'll take a mile, right? right. Amen. Romans says it this way. Romans 6 and 12 says this. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall have no dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Abel did exactly what that said. He was under grace. He was, not, he was no law written down that forced him to have to give the first fruit. But out of his heart and gratitude toward God, he gave the first fruit of his livestock. Cain gave the leftovers. And you see the difference, right? You see the difference. Abel said, I'm not going to let sin reign in my mortal body. I am not going to give God my leftovers. 
I'm going to give him the very best I have to offer. Amen. Praise God. Now, verse 8. This is our last verse. It says, Now Cain, he'd been warned, right? The Lord had told him, Cain, you've got, you've got a decision to make here. You've gotten so mad because of what you've done that sin is waiting on you. And it's just about ready to destroy you. And you need to do the right thing. He gave him the warning. Here's the warning. Here's the warning. The Lord's given this to mankind. He's taught us how to live. Amen. And it's not that hard a thing to do. Praise God. To live for the Lord. So in verse 8, it says, Now Cain talked with his brother, with, with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. My, my. Cain persecuted and killed Abel. See, these are the consequences of sin still yet. The righteous now was being persecuted, even to the point of death. And what had Abel done except obey what his heart told him to do unto the Lord? He was a righteous man doing what was right in the eyes of God and giving 100%, giving the first fruits of everything he had to offer. Amen. So Cain persecuted and killed Abel. I want you to think about this. Now a righteous man was dead. The first human being in the history of the world is now dead. Nobody had died. Adam and Eve were still alive. Cain was still alive. But now Abel has passed away. A righteous man is now dead, the first person to ever die. I want you to think about that. That was a sad day. We'll talk in a couple next week about some of the things how that the, the Lord questioned Cain and said, your brother, brother's blood crying out from the ground. What a dreadful thing that must have been. So now a righteous man was dead, killed because of his own brother's jealousy, a life gone, a family destroyed, and a man's lineage cut off. He didn't live quite long enough to have children. The Bible doesn't record it. He ever had children or a wife. He was cut off from the land of the living. Now for Christians, we need to think about this. Before we commit sin, think about what the outcome will be. If there's something in your life you're wondering about, think about the outcome. Think a few steps ahead. A lot of people, they see, they, they bypass that, that way of thinking and all they do is say, well, it's going to feel good for now and I don't really think it will hurt anybody or whatever. So they go ahead and do it, but they stop. They forget to stop and think about two or three steps down the road. They forget to think about a few years down the road. How is this going to affect me? So ask yourself, how will it affect my relationship with the Lord? If I do this thing that's tempting me, How's it going to affect my relationship between me and the Lord? Will it cause the Lord to be disappointed in me and say, I reject you because of this? I'm not going to receive your offering because of this? Or do we want to say, Lord, I want you to be pleased with me. And I'm going to think about this would destroy my relationship with God. And so therefore, I'm going to go away from it. It would be like Abel, right? Not like Cain. How will it affect my body? How is the, is the smoking, the drinking, the drugging, and the, 
uh, laying around with all these different people and fornicating, how's that going to affect my body? Right now it seems to have no real major effect. What about five years down the road? What about ten years down the road? What about when I get old? How's it going to affect my body? We need to think about those things as Christians, right? Amen. How will it affect my life in general? If I go off the deep end and get mad and lose my job, how's that affecting my life? Uh-oh, now i got bills that need paid and I have no way to pay them. We need to stop and think. See, that's what God was telling Cain. Cain, stop and think what this is about to do. Think about the ramifications of what's getting ready to happen if you don't take control of this anger in your heart, right? How will it affect my family and friends? If I go cheat on my spouse, how's that going to affect my family and friends? It's going to break up my family and cause a lot of destruction in it. We need to stop and think about these things. When we're tempted to sin, we stop and think, how is this going to play out? Is it just a few moments of pleasure? But what's the cost of that few moments of pleasure, right? That's what he was trying to tell Cain. Cain, you're so mad that it's going to feel good for you to kill your brother. But the ramifications are going to have eternal consequences. Amen. Amen. How will it affect society? If I get mad and kill somebody or do this or do that, how's that, how's that affecting society? I'm cutting somebody else's family off. I'm messing somebody else's uh, uh, relationship with each other up. What will be the cost of my sin? What will happen if I allow sin to rule over me? See, the Bible's teaching us that you have the ability. God said to Cain, you should rule over sin. We read it there in Romans. Don't let sin reign in your bodies. Take the authority and simply reign over sin. Does that mean it won't be a, an aggravation? It won't be temptations? It's going to come, but you reign over it. Amen? So think about what will happen if I allow sin to rule over me. Now that's for Christians, and I'm going to talk about one other point, and we're going to close. Like I said before, some of our messages are now going to be going to, to multiple other people. And I believe everybody here is born-again Christians. But there may be some people that may hear this that aren't. Amen. But I want to talk to you a few minutes, and you all already know this, but you'll enjoy it. Amen. Because it's part of the story of Abel. The Bible speaks of a better sacrifice than that of Abel. Praise God. The Bible says that there came a man, hallelujah, that was born in a stable in Bethlehem. That he grew up in a place called Galilee in a little town called Nazareth. And he was the son of God. And his name was Jesus, praise God. And it said that he made a better sacrifice than that of Abel. Hallelujah. He went to the cross there outside of Jerusalem. And he hung on a cross for our sins. That he might take our sins as far as away as the east is from the west. Praise God. And he died and he was buried. And on the third day he rose again to give us eternal life. And to give us hope for a future. Amen. See, that's the sacrifice that we all need to remember. That's the sacrifice that we all want to talk about. So for those that maybe are lost today, Hebrews says this, but you've not come to Mount Zion to this, but to this, and to the city of the living God. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. We sung about that a while ago. And this last verse here says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, 
and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. You know from the beginning of time, all the way up until Jesus, we learned through reading the Bible, it's over 4,000 years, Abel had made the most righteous sacrifice that had ever been made. Jesus even referred back to it and said, that was a righteous man. And he made a righteous sacrifice because he brought the first fruits of his flocks. But glory to God, Jesus became our sacrifice. Hallelujah. Jesus made a sacrifice that speaks better things than the one that Abel did. Amen. And that's not casting light on Abel. He did what he was supposed to do. But let me tell you a couple of things that you might have never thought of. Abel received a good testimony for his sacrifice. He did. The Bible testifies from the very beginning and even up there in the Hebrews it said he made a righteous sacrifice. He was a righteous man. But you know who his sacrifice was for? It was for himself. He brought the first fruit of his flock and the fat thereof, which was the very best part that God later on would demand they brought, would bring to him. He brought it willingly, laid it out there before the Lord. And because he did that, he was declared righteous. And because of that, he lost his life. Abel made a sacrifice for himself. He brought an offering for himself. He said, Lord, my name is Abel. I'm the second born of Adam and Eve. And here I give this to you. Hallelujah. But Jesus, he made a sacrifice not for himself, but for me and you. That's why his sacrifice, the Bible says, is, speaks better things than that of Abel. Abel offered a sacrifice for his own self. And he was declared righteous because he did it the right way. Well, guess what? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he made a sacrifice. And God said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Praise God. Think about this. Abel, Jesus received a good testimony for his sacrifice, but his sacrifice was for you and I. Abel was slain because of his sacrifice, right? That's the whole reason Cain got mad. But guess what? Jesus died to become our sacrifice. Hallelujah. Abel died because he was righteous. But Jesus died for the unrighteous. You see why it's better? Jesus came and died for the unrighteous. But the unrighteous was the one who killed Abel. Abel was killed by a sinner. But Jesus died to save sinners. That's why his sacrifice speaks better things than that of Abel. Praise God. There's hope for sinners. Jesus will save you too. All it takes is to come to Jesus for forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we've given you the word, them the words which you've given me. And we see now, Lord, that sin is a serious issue. Even when we're Christians, we must keep ourselves in check. We must, in all situations, know that sin lies at the door and it's waiting to destroy us. So help us, God, we pray, to make wise decisions. We know, Lord, sometimes we get mad and angry as well, but help us to control it, Father, by the Holy Spirit. Give us those fruits of the Spirit, Lord, that we might uh, be able to keep ourselves in check and be patient and tender and, and kind and loving in all the things that we need to be. But Lord, I pray that if, if there's those that may hear this message today that are not saved, 
that they would receive this sacrifice that speaks better things than that of Abel. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ, for he died for our sins. We pray, God, that for those that may hear this message today, that they will call out to Jesus and simply pray, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died for me and you took my sins away and you rose the third day that you might give me life. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Father, we pray that those that may hear these words, whether they're Christians or whether they're sinners, that they could all come to the same place, that we all have to come to this sacrifice that Jesus made. Hallelujah. And that this sacrifice was the best that's ever been made because it wasn't made for himself. Because he was righteous. He needed no sacrifice for himself. But he made it for us, those who are sinners. Made it for us who are unrighteous. That he might bring us into the fold. Hallelujah. We thank you for these things today, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray that you keep each and every one safe as they go about their life. Keep us walking closely with you today, Lord, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord.